Hello and welcome to episode 30. We've hit 30 episodes of this. If you're still listening, thank you and keep supporting. Uh, this podcast is going to be, once again, all about the NBA. Uh, going to recap a wild game last night. Um, the Cavs win again against Boston. Nothing new uh, at this point. Uh, Jake and I are going to give our takes with that. Uh, good friend of the podcast, Brian, known Cavs lover also will come on the pod and give his thoughts and then the second half of the show jake and i have our nba hot hot takes so get ready for him and here we go jake jake crowley um just I don't even know where to start. I'll let you stay your piece. Um, hello, welcome to the show. Um, I know you were a little down bad uh, last night. You know, text kind of got cut off there. Uh, understandably why, um, but you know, I'll kind of let you just your thoughts. You know, brutal All loss. Right. All right. Yeah, it was a brutal loss. There's no doubt about it. Um, Celtics. Felt like they had the game in in total control for uh, three quarters, but I do believe in the third or early fourth quarter, I texted you, Frank, and I was like, I don't know this this ten point this ten point lead, lead feels like a feels like a five point deficit, right? And uh, it it did. I just I don't know. I had that feeling of dread that Celtics fans have felt this season when we get into late game situations with a lead against good teams, uh, not the 76ers, we, we've been, we've been blowing them, especially against the Cavs just kind of felt how our team's been this last week, uh, in week and a half, two weeks. Um, and yeah, I don't, as much as I see this as a loss, I don't really blame the Celtics for, for this one here. Um, end of the game, Grant Williams gets called for a foul that I think pretty much anybody can can say is is a soft call. They uh, called a foul uh, on that one, and then immediately after, Peyton Pritchard drives in, gets bashed over the head. I think it was by a Coro. Uh, no foul call, and then they call wah, somehow wah. On, call somehow a foul uh, for Grant Williams, and he goes to the free throw line. And as a Celtics fan, I'm thinking, oh, all right, good free throw shooter. And then I see him go, I'm going to make both of them. I'm going to make them both. And I immediately looked and just knew he was going to miss both. Um, it was devastating, embarrassing. Uh, I, I think if I'm him, I can't show my face in public for a week uh, in Boston. Uh, I would be terrified. <laughs> And all in all, I mean, this was lacking three of your starters. Uh, your your big man was Mike Muscala, so it this doesn't really feel like a this is this is gonna you know this is how we're gonna play in the playoffs kind of game. But it does feel like a wow, this game matters a lot. We don't have a ton of playtime left, and every win matters for that one or two seed. Um, but as I've said all, all season, as long as we get the 76ers in the second round, I'm happy uh, on wherever we're placed. 
Sure. So let me just run through the history. That was the last matchup um, between the Cavs and the Celtics. Um, the Cavs won the first two, both in overtime. Uh, first one, 132-123. Second one, 114-113. Um, they played each other the first two times twice in a week, and then the last two times they play, play each other again twice in a week. Um, just on March 1st, Boston finally won. Um, took them long enough. Won 117-113, and then the Cavs, um, obviously last night, 118-114. Um, so every game has been down to the wire uh, between these four, the four matchups, um, and obviously no Tatum. Um, no Williams, no Horford for you guys. And for me, I mean, this was a, a very alarming for about 46 minutes. Um, and then in the final two minutes, they finally started getting their act together. Mitchell was uh, dominant. Mobley was all over the place. Mobley had 25-17 um, with three blocks last night. Uh, Mitchell against Boston uh, in the four games is averaged 37.5 on six rebounds and four and a half assists. Um, so he had um, Boston's number all year long. Um, but, you know, the Cavs didn't do that great against Tatum and Brown. Tatum uh, didn't play yesterday, but in his three matchups averaged 33, 10, and 6. Uh, and Brown got loose last night. Um, but in, in the four games, they averaged, he averaged 27, 8, and 5. Um, so I don't know. Don't want to speculate. Yeah, obviously, we don't know what the playoffs are going to look like. But if it's anything like. Like these four games, you know, Jake. It could be a, it could be a classic because I mean every every one of these ones went down to the wire. Um, and these two and these two teams do match up well with each other. Um, both can spread the floor. Both have dominant guys that can, you know, really create their own shot and, and get easy looks for other for other people as well. Um, so I said it to you earlier. Yeah. Uh, I think two weeks ago. Um, I'm I'm way more afraid of the Cavs than I am of the 76ers. Uh, I think the Cavs are a better basketball team. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, it's been, it's, it's been a unbelievable season series. Yeah. Um, three out of four overtime games. And then the third of the, or the one, the one uh, outlier is a four point game. Right. So I, I think it will, if I, I, I hope you guys drop down, in seeds so we can play each other in uh in in the first round so uh i think it's a good time to, to slide a little bit well you guys might fall the three we could fall the six you know who knows there that's not a bad one that's that's hey, probably the most realistic hey, option there's hey there's no there's there's no bad matchups if uh if we get to play you and then we get to play the sixers i'm happy that's true so a couple calves concerns i do uh did want to touch on a little bit um, it's just how bad the bench has been. Um, Rubio, Levert, and Wade keep getting run together, um, and they've just been providing nothing. Uh, Levert does do a lot of little things, um, except actually score. Um, Wade just refuses to shoot the ball, um, and he gets been getting torched defensively. And Rubio, um, you know, thinking. He could be what he was last year, but, I mean, coming off a torn ACL, uh, just hasn't had the same mojo and pep in the step um, last year. And just the bench has just been really, really hurting this team. Kobe Altman, you know, said nothing, moved the needle. I think Luke Kennard would help this team a lot, you know, 
players like that who can shoot. Um, and then, you know, I went over Mitchell's numbers, but he's not always going to be able to um, be Superman and carry a te- carry this team, too. He's going to have, you know, a stinker eventually. Um, so that's a concern of mine. And, and then the final concern, uh, Jared Allen has been not that great. Um, you saw it in last night's game. Blake Griffin, who plays once a month, twice a month, taking it right at Jared Allen and scoring. Uh, very concerning. In the past two matchups against Boston, he's had four points, six rebounds, um, on 40% shooting. Um, you know, in, in the Cavs' Twitter sphere, there has been, you know, murmurs of would you trade Allen for another wing? Um, let's just say I'm not a hundred percent against that um if you look at the Cavs net rating with only one big man uh and or either Mobley or Allen uh and one off the floor the, they're all net positives in the in the positives have are higher than when they're both on the court at the same time um Allen is just it's just a bad matchup against Giannis it's a bad matchup against Embiid he's just you know he's he's really good against you know shifty wings because he can he can guard the perimeter as well um, but he just gets bully balled um, in theory you'd think the Cavs would be able to match up better because they can throw Mobley and Allen but you know it's not like they're built muscular um, you know so it, it's a bad matchup but you know we'll see we'll see how it goes but those are a couple of my concerns who would be your like target? Uh, oh, no idea. Wing, if you had somebody, nobody in mind for, because yeah. do you see it as Mobley runs center and you bring like a bigger wing in, or are you thinking like you run just kind of small with Mobley at center and then have just a solid like bench center? Yeah, I mean, center you can find any, like you can go find Nerlens Noel right now. I mean, you can find backup centers pretty easily. Um, but that was just kind of like in theory, would you trade Allen for a wing? Because obviously that's the Cavs' biggest, you know, it's going to be the biggest crux. Oh, yeah. is you, you're going to have to trust a Coro, Wade, Levert in, in playoff games. And it's like, all right, well, I guess we'll see. Um, but yeah, either way, I mean, this team's really good. Um, they were good last year, then got the injury bug. They've been good this year. Um, but it's just that bench, I mean, not, not moving off Levert. Um, might might be why they don't even make make it out of the first round. It, it could come down to something like that. Um, you know, not getting off the Levert and adding anybody else because New York's coming. Um, and as you know, New York has is, is, is got your number as well. Um, so what are some Boston concerns you have there, Jake? So my primary concern with Boston right now is uh, health. Uh, Jason Tatum is not hurt. I think uh, they're just giving him an off day. Um, but Rob Williams just he's now he's out for I think 16 days um, 7 to 16 days and he's been a fast dealer but like I don't really have any desire to see him out there I'd much rather him stay stay out get healthy but his his injury problems really are scary uh, his contract is such a high value so it's it's worth it regardless uh, but he he might not be able to play more than like half the games most seasons um so that's that's my primary concern with this team i'm not gonna be uh i'm not gonna lie to you right now uh, our f- fourth quarter 
overall play is awful. We only shoot threes. Nobody drives to the rim. Um, because of that, we don't get free throws as much. Um, I think we only had, what, 16 in, in regulation against the Cavs. Um, and, and it's been... I don't know. It's been probably the biggest issue with us the last since the All Star break. This this losing stretch. So that's what I see as the problem. I don't really think there's a, a clear fix for it. Um, I think it's a Missoula thing. Um, I don't not like Missoula, but I think that he needs to find. Um, I don't know. Maybe a second gear uh, to where he, he feels like he can. You know, kind of make make them play a little more physical and, and play, try to try to use bully ball on, you know, the four slashers that you have in your starting lineup, essentially. Um, so if we can do that, I think we turn it around pretty easily, but I don't know if, I don't know if they're going to, um, it, it very much feels like, uh, it, it kind of the reverse of what happened last season, come back from the all-star break and we're kind of just booty, um, not playing, great at all um but i i don't see it being something that happens consistently so uh, my guess is you know with the soft schedule we have coming up which it's i mean you were talking about it they i don't think they pull i think they have probably two or three strong matchups and everything else is kind of a, a cupcake schedule uh 500 teams or, or or worse so i do think they probably just finish out on top um take take a couple easy wins uh to either get the one or two seed i don't think they're going to slide that bad yeah uh, right now boston's two games up on philadelphia two games back of milwaukee um and the Cavs are two and a half back of philly and one and a half up on new york um so it remains how we will see how it all shapes out um but we will take our first break and come back with brian's thoughts on the game Frank, today's bet stamp pick, we are going to be going with the Orlando Magic to cover, or sorry, to win outright over the Milwaukee Bucks, plus 123 on Barstool Sportsbook, compared to plus 110 on DraftKings. Plus 110 on DraftKings right now. $13 difference on this bet. Uh, I know you and I are smashing it. Milwaukee out, uh, Drew Holiday, and Giannis. So I think the Orlando Magic size, size-wise, they can absolutely compete with the Bucks here. Uh, we're going to be riding with this one. This is why you download BetStamp, though. I'm looking at this line. If you were to use Barstool, you're getting plus 123. If you were to go use DraftKings, you're getting plus 110. If you're going to use FanDuel, you're getting plus 18. So we have there's such a huge difference in the spreads on these, and uh, and as well as on the money line odds. So, thank goodness that we, we looked at BetStamp and, and took the time to see the $13 difference on these bets. Because that $13 is going to buy me lunch tomorrow. Absolutely. Just a fact. Yeah, and that's the bottom line. Um, and if our listeners were to download BetStamp and put in FJPod promotional code or reference code, they would absolutely... Uh, be helping us get those 
lunches as well. And on top of that, they'd be joining our betting community, the Frank and Jake podcast betting community. And now back to the pod with Brian. Coming back. We're here with a good friend of the pod. Good old Brian. Welcome, Brian. How you doing? Um, I'm doing all right. It's it's nice to see you guys. It's a great studio you got going on over here. This is impressive. You got a whole view of Hollywood right out the window. This is awesome. Yeah, yeah. The investors, Jake and I, are keeping on the low, but you know they're really all trying right. to pump through the pod. But they are, they are in our inboxes like gnats on a soaking wet boy on a Sunday <laughs> after going in the pool. That that damn money going crazy. And then, uh, Brian, you were at the game last night. Uh, Jake and I just touched on it. Um, so tell us your thoughts and kind of you've been to a couple Cavs games. So just the floor is yours, Brian. Yeah, so I actually went to my first Cavs game as my first NBA game earlier this season. So I kind of got a little prepared for what everything was like. Um, but this is for sure the best game I've been to this season. I've been to four now. This is the only one that has even been close, relatively. It, it, I got fortunate enough to see overtime, which is a first for me. But yeah, from the from the get-go, I had a feeling we were going to lose that game with no Tatum, no Time Lord, and no Horford. So I kind of expected us to at least have a tough game. But I was pleasantly surprised with how the Celtics came out of the gate. They came out pretty strong. I think they had a 68 Point first half if I'm not mistaken uh, but one thing I did notice was that the crowd was rocking for a Monday night and it was pretty impressive um, so shout out to the Cleveland fans except for the ones that were telling me to kill myself but other than that like you guys really showed up for a, a Monday night game that place was packed and I really think that was the difference in the game because Celtics were bouncing around between a 10 and 14 point lead, but it, it felt like it was a three or four point lead the entire game. Um, yeah, they, they really, they really seem like the last week or so there ever since the break, they're kind of in this funk where they play three good quarters and then fall apart in the fourth and don't leave themselves any time to climb out of it. But yeah, that's uh that's my initial thoughts on, how the game went last night but i mean grant williams what are you doing my guy two two free throws to win the game 0.8 left on the clock i i laughed after the first one because i i said there was no way he make he misses both <laughs> and he proceeded to miss both and then i saw on twitter he was telling donovan mitchell he'd make both which is tough definitely tough once he missed the first one the second one was a guaranteed miss oh absolutely that i i i heard the volume i heard the volume in the stadium increase substantially the second he uh the second he missed that first one and i was like he he could get rattled here but i i'm confident i'm confident in my guys and grant honestly didn't even play too poorly that game I he didn't play too many minutes, but I, I was pleased with how he played. But yeah, he threw the game away at the end there. Um, Jalen played great. I think he played pretty much the whole game, if I'm not wrong. Um, I think he had at least 40 or 45 minutes. Uh, but yeah, Pritchard stunk. Marcus Smart was taking shots that were never gonna fall, and that was Marcus Smart experience. Outside of Brogdon and Brown, everybody else played pretty. 
mid to below average. But I mean, I, I, I expected us to be kind of kind of weak going into that game. It was just kind of disappointing that it was a once again very winnable game by the Celtics thrown away to bad fourth quarter play. Yeah, well, well yeah. when the Cavs own the series, I mean, it's we get used to it, you know. Um, you guys got one title in like fifty years. Hold on to Bill Russell times. It's I mean, it's fine. I mean, that's the thing. I don't. I don't. I don't know why. I was pretty friendly with everyone around me last night. I don't know what warrants these Cavs fans to want bad blood so bad. What leg Cavs do you guys fans hate Celtics fans? What what leg do you guys have to stand on? <laughs> like more, I, I don't... more finals appearances in our lifetime. Um, had the best player ever to play on was on our team. Jeff Green beat you in Game 7 at home. That's a huge leg to stand on. But having the best player to ever play on your team is it's why just, you got those finals. Yeah. Well, that's fine. <laughs> exactly. I mean. And being bad, being really bad, was the reason you got that player. And you were really bad, and that's why you got Tatum and Brown. Yes, but, but you're talking about the best player of all time who's played an entire career versus Tatum and Jalen who have played five or five and six years. We also accept that your good players are good and don't lie and pretend they're bad. Oh, no one's lying. I mean, who's who's lying? But Cleveland fans hate Jake, Celtics you had a good reason. experience. It's a fact. You know it. For some reason, Cleveland people just do not like them. I mean, um, I mean we all know. I mean, hold on. We all know what you guys say to outfielders uh, in a different race in Boston. I we mean, don't say, don't lump us yeah, in. Don't, don't I'm lumping Boston into it. Hey, That's I was Boston. telling everyone last night, and I was told to kill myself for no good reason. What does that say about Cleveland fans? Do you hear me crying about it? No. You definitely cried. It. I was laughing. It was funny to me. But that it just goes back. I love LeBron. I, I take on Cleveland sports as almost like a secondary fandom to me. Um, because I live here now and I want to see everyone around me in a positive light and enjoying Cleveland sports. But Jake couldn't disagree more. I, like I can't do that because I can't be pro Boston at all without <laughs> getting my head on a pike. Hey, there is one thing that's for certain. Being from Boston is better in Cleveland than being from Pittsburgh. That's, oh, yeah. That's a fact. That's the one thing I'll be grateful for. I knew that. I'm not a Pittsburgh fan. I knew that when during free throws last night in order to get the crowd loud they showed the pittsburgh Steeler logo on the jumbo truck yes sir <laughs> that was, yeah that's that is so funny <laughs> um but another thing that did kind of impress me last night was just the the difference in leadership towards the end of the game i i was able to watch Donovan Mitchell really just dissect the entire ending of that game. And I know the Celtics were down Tatum, but I mean, the the difference in leadership just vi- visibly on the court was was like really, uh, really eye-catching because you could see Donovan just kind of running that entire team. And, and I, I got to admit, he is one heck of a player to actually watch in person. This is, I've only been able to see him two times. Um, he was out the last couple games i went to but he really is just so good and i'm jealous that you guys have him he's our guy i'd rather still rather have tatum though people wanted donovan last year Mm -hmm. they tried to get him well they didn't Celtics didn't try fans tried all right brian well we appreciate you coming on and we will talk to you soon all right of course thank you guys for having me
already, Jake. So coming back again, we each last week or two weeks ago it was given us our best storylines for the second half uh, of the NBA season. So figured we'd follow that up again with some of our favorite hot takes. So Jake, we'll start with you. What is your favorite hot take that might be semi-believable, but it's still pretty hot? All right. So my I started off this assignment that Frank gave me. I went, I was looking at kind of the recent trends in the NBA, and I said to myself, all right, Suns are undefeated since Kevin Durant has joined the team. In that time frame, I'm going to pull up some numbers. I apologize. Kevin Durant averaging 33 minutes a game and D-Book 36. So neither of them playing like absurd numbers. These aren't like a lot of overtime games. These are pretty much uh, like below average uh, games for them in terms of time spent on the court. Kevin Durant, 27, uh, 27.7 boards, four assists on 69% shooting and 54% from three. And playing like the most ridiculously efficient basketball in that I've ever seen. He's, he's, he's only shot the ball 42 times in this time frame. And he's averaging 27 points. Um, and this is over a three-game span. Devin Booker, in his 36 minutes, 36 points, five rebounds, eight assists. He has, the last three games, he has looked like he is the best player on earth. It is one of the most absurd stretches of three that I've ever seen. Um, and then this is where my kind of initial intent of the argument kind of skewed off because my plan was to say when those three are together, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and Kevin Durant, if all three of them are on the court, no injuries in the same game, will they lose a single game the rest of the season when all three of them play? So that was where my initial argument was. And I kind of liked it, but there was not really a, there was no real, like, I don't know, argument to it. It was more so just like a fairly random, like, take. And, and it, it, I like it. I do think it's possible, but there's no way to know. Like, I don't think they're going to finish the season like 17 or 18 and 0, whatever they are, um, whatever, however many games they have left. Um, so there's no way to know if it was going to be, you know, even possible. Uh, but then I kind of looked at that duo of Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, and I got to this, um, I had this, uh, like, epiphany uh, that I should look more into them as a duo all time and see where this past three games together um, stacks among duos in NBA history. So um, let me... Uh, pull this up so the duo of kevin durant and devin booker over the three game stretch is averaging 63 points per game so 63 uh points between them shared every game that is um 52.5 percent of the sun's total scoring over that three uh three game span uh and so I looked into that number, sixty the 63 combined points per game, and kind of matched it with all-time uh, duos. And where they stack up, 
there are two duos in NBA history who have averaged more points per game on a season than what Kevin Durant and Devin Booker have averaged over the last three games. So it's obviously over a small sample size. Wilt Chamberlain and Paul Azirin, or Arizin, he played in the 50s. Elgin Baylor and Jerry West, and number three, Kevin Durant and Devin Booker this season. Behind them, I believe your favorite player, James Harden and Russell Westbrook, when they were uh, together on the Rockets. Uh, Both of those duos uh, that averaged higher than Kevin Durant and D-Book this last three games or their time together in Phoenix played were in the season 1961 and 1962. So in 60, 62 years it took for a duo or this this duo could potentially be the best duo we've had in 64 years. So I want to present you this question, and this is the hot take. Is Kevin Durant, do Kevin Durant and Devin Booker have the potential to be the best duo of basketball players on the court at the same time in NBA history? Ooh, I would lean no. Uh, if this was Durant in his prime possibly this but... is the most efficient durant yeah. technically over this three game span so that's kind of where i'm taking it from i'm not i'm not uh well if they obviously played like this then yeah but you, you, i mean in a three game sample size obviously but if they continued to play like this then you know no doubt but to pose the all-time question it, it would be a no just because you figure durant's gonna only play 60 games a year you know, and obviously winning titles would obviously help their case. So take it on a this season sample size, right? Three games. Yeah, no, no. So like if they finish this season together, let's say they play 20 games on the court at the same time before the playoffs. So don't even, you don't have to base it off the current stats, but how you think they finish the rest of the season. Compare that with any season-long stretch of two players do you think that that's where they i'm asking if that's if you think that competes with the greatest duo i don't know if obviously kate katie's already 35 so i don't think he's gonna you know have too many more years of playing dominantly like this so it's more so just on a pound for pound a single game almost you could call it if you wanted to well well if, if, if that's the case then possibly yeah but you know, if you're comparing to other duos in That's, even, you know, like a 20 game sample size, you know, obviously it would be one of the best, but you know, you'd be going down, you'd be going down quite the list. Like you had to go back to the sixties to find a duo. Yeah. But that's, I think that's just, that's the hot take is that I think that, that they, I think that they are on a, if they, if, even if you're just calling this a one V or a two V two against another duo, I think, I think, those two could be one of the greatest duos to ever touch the court in a game together. Yes, but also Durant. You have Durant by himself, but we oh, yeah. we both have. I'm assuming we both think Curry's better than Booker. So I mean, it kind of goes against your argument, right? Right there. Yeah. No, I I understand. I'm. That's why I, I was kind of in my head, like I said, taking it from like a two v two standpoint. Like if they're playing against each other, 
Right. I know that obviously Kobe and Shaq are a greater all-time duo than right. D-Book and KD. And we're, and we're also talking to it. Game. And we're talking about, you know, people's dudes that careers aren't over yet. I mean, if they Definitely. if they keep this up for, you know, if they make it at least to the finals and then follow up next season, you know, because we both have Booker as the best shooting guard. and if, In the league right now, right, yeah. And if Durant can give you 60 games a year and then be, you know, great in the playoffs for, let's just say, the next three years, you'd think they'd win at least one title, right? So, um, so yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I really love that duo. I love that trade for the Suns. Um, and just to get Durant out of our conference it was a huge plus. So, and I love watching that duo. I love Devin Booker. And, you know, I like love love me some, some Chris Paul as well. So, obviously, when it comes to the, the My Western Conference um, rooting standpoint, I guess I would just lean towards the Suns. They're the most fun team to watch in my eyes. Oh, yeah. they're Right now, they're a blast to, win, to, uh, to watch. It's like watching scientists. They're, they're so... Those three players are so cerebral, and especially Kevin Durant and Chris Paul. It's just like they put so much thought into the game, and Kevin Durant kind of just toys with people. Yeah, his so. game winner against Dallas was a joke. Uh, yeah. I mean, a busted play, fading to his left. I mean, it's nothing but net. Um, so, you know, I, I, I do like that take, though. I, I think if they can go on a run in, what did you say, 63 points a game they're averaging right now? 63 a game, which yeah. is the the most since 1961. Yeah, that that's really impressive, and and that team has aspirations to go far. Um, just kind of going off that Dallas game, what they what they have to figure out is everyone's just gonna bail hard and sell out Durant and Booker, and that Chris Paul got open threes, Josh Koji got wide open threes. I think he went one of eight. Um, then they had Ish. Ish Wainwright shooting threes and making threes, so you know DeAndre Ayton hasn't been that hasn't done much. Amazing, yeah. You know he he's been especially lackluster on the rebounds. Doesn't seem to be overly interested in playing with Kevin Durant. Well, um, well I mean that's also he's the fourth option now. So yeah, so that's going to take some time getting used to, as we saw with Bosch and and love it it takes time to get used to it so i don't know if i'm gonna say he doesn't look interested he just it's gonna just take time to gel with all of them together especially when they try to figure out their their who's gonna be the fifth guy who just stands in the corner and shoots threes um so yeah so we'll see and we'll take a quick break and come back with my hot take right after this Coming back with my hot take, it's going to be a bit spicy. You know, i got a Boston guy on the pod, but I'm going to just clear it, clear the air and just go over um, some just raw numbers uh, to start. So my hot take is Jason Tatum is Paul George with better PR. So far in six NBA seasons, Jason Tatum's averaging 22 points a game, six rebounds and three assists off pretty much 46%. Uh, shooting in his first six seasons. Um, and then with Paul George, I took his first seven seasons, um, but six full seasons because he had the injury in 2014 where he only played six games. So Paul George's first seven seasons, but 
six full six seasons, averaging 18 points a game, 6.3 rebounds, 3.2 assists, off pretty much a little over 43% shooting. And then you just take it to playoff numbers. Um, Tatum's played in a lot of playoff games already in his career. He's played in 74 already, uh, averaging 23, 7, and 4. Uh, and then in 108 playoff games, um, Paul George, as he calls himself, Playoff P, uh, is averaging 21.3 points, 7.5 rebounds, and 4 assists in 108 games. Um, and that's just over the span of their career. Um, and But when it comes to defense, um, it's it's not even really close. Uh, prime Paul George defensively, four-time member of the all-defensive team, led the league in steals in 2018, 2019, um, and in that season as well. He finished third in MVP and third in Defensive Player of the Year. Um, so my overarching take is being compared to Paul George, it's not a, meant to be a slight. Um, if anything, it's taken to be a compliment. Um, but obviously, I know this will be taken as an insult. Um, Jason Tatum's obviously a slightly better scorer, um, pound for pound, than Paul George, but a worse defender than what Paul George was. Um, and you cannot win a title with him as your best player uh, the quicker the public and boston realizes this the better uh, they very well can win a title but it will be a right product of the team and not just him taking over um, and these celtics rosters were way more talented than george's pacers rosters ever were um, the furthest paul george made it uh, with the pacers was the eastern conference finals twice um, Tatum has already made the Eastern Conference Finals three times with Boston and one Finals appearance uh, with a little asterisk with Middleton up there. Um, and in that Finals, 21 points, six rebounds, seven assists on gulp, 36% shooting. Terrible. Um, so in a world where scoring is way easier uh, than even 2011 when Paul George came into the league, um, in 2011, only 11 teams averaged over 100 points per game. Uh, in 2018, uh, when Tatum came into the league, 28 of the 30 teams averaged over 100 points per game. And the biggest difference between the two is a whopping four points a game, with every other number pretty much being similar. So to cap it off, uh, Jason Tatum will not win a title as the best player. Um, I know people, um, my friends over here on this side at least, I, I know people that still think Jalen Brown's better than Tatum. I still think Tatum's the best player on the team. Um, but, Jake, I'll loop you back uh, here and kind of just give um, your thoughts on, on my take. Because, um, again, it, it, being compared to Paul George, it's he's a really good player. Uh, there's no there's so, no, there's no problem with being compared to Paul George. There's there's There's... Two halves to your take, I think, in, in, in the way I heard it. Uh, one half is that Jason Tatum is compared to Paul George. And the second half is that Jason Tatum can't be the best player on a championship team. The first part of that I agree with. Uh, I do think Jason Tatum is similar to Paul George. I think uh, Jason Tatum being a – he is a top 10 player in the NBA right now. Um and that's okay if he's just a slightly better scorer uh, version of Paul George. 
um, he's still capable of being the best player on a championship team. They they made it to one uh, championship uh, run. They made one championship run. It was a six-game series, uh, and he played fairly poorly. Um, he still impacts the game aside from shooting, which is why I don't really hate the fact that he he shot pretty abysmally during during that uh, series. But that's again, he impacts the game on the offensive side of the ball and on the defensive side of the ball more than Paul George did, especially on the offensive side, obviously not as much on the defensive side, but he's a better rebounder. He's a better playmaker. He's a worse defender, but he is a better scorer and he's a significantly better scorer. The problem with uh, Tatum is that he, he does first off, he's never been the lone great player on his team. Like Paul George spent half of his career doing. If Tatum was the only good player, if he was the only all-star on a team, like Paul George had been for so many years, would Tatum be averaging more points? Yes, absolutely. He'd probably be averaging right now probably 32. But he's averaging almost 30 points this season. I think that there is – I think he's a substantial bit better than Paul George as a scorer all around. Now, Paul George was a much – it was a fantastic slasher, so he did put up numbers. Um, But Tatum's got a deeper bag. He's a much more – He's a much more well-equipped overall player in my eyes. Um, and I think he is capable of bringing a team. But the first half of that take, that he is similar to Paul George, if not eerily similar to Paul George, uh, I I do agree with. Okay. Yeah, I, I figured you would. Uh, I, will, I do commend Jake. His his basketball takes are are solid. And I, I had a feeling... And a hot take, too. It's right. meant to be. It's meant to be a little... A little spice, a little yeah. spice. But like, if you just went down, you know, they had. Well, you said Tatum's a better rebounder. So far, George had tech, by point three rebounds more. Um, but in the playoff for all time, that was well, no, in all time. All well, I only when I looked this up, it was it's unfair to do Paul George's whole career because he's obviously played a lot more. So I just based it off Tatum's first six years. In George's technically oh, first right. seven years, but he got he only played six games one year. So, um, but all the time uh, in in playoff numbers, Paul George is is a better rebounder. Um, both average similar amount of assists, um, and I and I also do think uh, you know like the one number I said with where only eleven teams averaged you know a hundred points per game a little over ten years ago. Um, if Paul George came into the league when Tatum came into the league, he probably would have been averaging more points as well to kind of go against your argument of if Tatum was the only guy. Um, you know, Paul George came into a league where it was still dumped the ball to Roy Hibbert 15 times a game. Um, yeah, he shares the rock so much, though, like Tatum does compared to... Well, his teams were like also Paul. better. Yeah, that, but that's what I'm saying. I think, I think when you're on better teams, you're bound to score to average less and yeah no like, I, and and like i the said errors and everything it, right. it's hard to it's hard to compare on a, a, a stat to stat basis but i test wise like in terms of like how good they are especially over like their first six years like i told that's where i totally agree i think it may like i think 
Paul George was like that young phenom that people were like, will he be one of the best players in the league? And I people have the same conversation about Tatum right now. Right, right. And when Paul George was, you know, his peak season was 2018-2019 where he finished third in MVP. Like, he wasn't third best player um, no. in the league. And that's something like Tatum could finish third if Boston ends up, you know, maybe getting the one seed back. But is he the third best player in the league? No, he's not. Um, so I just thought, you know, it was, it was, that was fun to look up just to see. And then I was kind of shocked how close it actually was. Um, but my but my take, Tatum's just Paul George with better PR. Um, and you've even before the pod, you, you knew my take that Tatum um, can't be the best player on a championship winning team. So I'm still technically right. We'll see in June if, if I get to gloat for another year. But, um, you know, anything final to add there, Jake? Uh, I guess technically, if if I using the argument that they just haven't haven't won a championship before, then Donovan Mitchell also can't be the best True. player on the championship. Neither, neither can Embiid. Neither can you know. Can just go down the list <laughs> for everybody. I just love that it's just like a good majority of the best players in the league. Luca, he cannot be no. the best player on a championship team. Right. Yeah. Um. And my take before was Giannis, and then he decided to. Um, <laughs> And then he decided to uh, crap on Phoenix um, and go like 30 of 30 from the line um, and, and bury that take. So I was like, who's the player I can pivot to? Oh, I already have a lot of disdain for Boston. Tatum's just Paul George. It's just Paul George. Paul George. So, well, that's fun, Jake. I enjoyed that. Um, and then as we wrap it up here... Um, do you have anything final to add? We're getting down to the crunch time of basketball season. If you made it through the episode and you haven't used referral code FJPOP to download BetSim, you're a bad friend. You're a bad um, I know Pop, Pop a friend did. Episode, yeah. Like, kind of love you. Kind of love you. You right. made it through the whole episode. Um, nothing else on, on my end. Uh, excited for another week of basketball. Spring training continues to to mow along. The Red Sox continue to impress in spring training, just to probably disappoint during the regular season like last year. So I'm very excited for um, for baseball to start, as you can clearly tell. Jake, I did have one one more question for you, um, as well as when when we had when we had good friend Brian on, uh, he was talking about how he like. Kind of, he go. He wants to be a Cleveland fan. Um, I know you don't have any of those same thoughts, correct? You're your Boston guy through and through. Uh, I mean, other than my extremely deep Ohio State fandom, exactly. Yeah. Then yes, correct. But you're not like uh, rooting for the Cavs on the side. No, but I root for play. I like to root right. for players. Players, that's fair. You can root for players. I like to root for players and people. So, like, Tito, like, I love the guards because I loved watching the guards because I love Tito. Sure. So I wanted to see Tito succeed. Um, like, for the Browns, uh, I like watching Jacoby Brissett because obviously a Patriots guy. So seeing him succeed is cool. But also seeing Steelers fans squirm is great. Yeah. Um, so there are reasons why I, why I root for Cleveland teams at times, but I'm I have no intention of being a Cleveland fan. 
my dad is that way and it drives me crazy it drives you a fool <laughs> well, i just had to get yeah, your pr- brian brian that loser bag who was on the podcast earlier yeah. i will not be slandered i will cut in i am not i am all right guys thank you for tuning into uh, episode 30 here uh we will see you guys next week thank you